you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. I'm really glad to worship with you this morning. Come on, turn to somebody else. Say, I'm really glad you're here this morning. Amen, amen. Thank you to this praise team that ushered us into the presence of the Lord. I don't know about you. That's right. That's right. I don't know about you this morning, but I feel him in this house. I know I know that we are uh, just here the Sunday before Christmas, and uh, so many times we just kind of put it in, coach it in the driveway mode. And we come in relaxed, and we come in just already checked out, in our minds, but today I feel something different in the house. I feel that that you are engaged with what God wants to do, and I commend you for that this morning, and I believe that God is going to speak to us in this house before we leave. If you believe it, shout amen. John chapter 1, it is always a joy to be able to stand in this pulpit and preach to you, and I want to share with you what I feel that God has laid on my heart. Um, I do want to take, not not a normal Christmas message, but I do want to take a Christmas twist, if that's okay with you today. So if you would turn to John chapter 1, verse 1, and then we'll skip down to verse number 14. And John said, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. Everybody say the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse number 14. And the Word was made flesh. Aren't you glad about that? And dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Somebody say, I'm glad for the Word. I want to preach to you for the next few moments on this subject. The attraction of His birth. The attraction of His birth. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you raise your hands to heaven one more time? And would you ask that the Lord would send His anointing and His power? Come on, would you lift your voice in a mighty way right now? God, we feel you in this place. We have felt you from the very beginning of this service. God, I felt you in this house as I prepared yesterday. God, I felt your anointing. I feel your presence and anointing just as strong today as I did yesterday. 
God, I pray that your anointing would rest upon your messenger, that your anointing would rest upon this congregation. Anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, God, and give us understanding in our minds what you would say to your people today. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time as you're seated? Anybody else find it difficult to clap and sit at the same time? just me. <coughs> the Christmas story is one that really never gets old. Now, I, I will admit to you that most of my life I have been a Scrooge. Okay. Uh, I have found it hard to get into the Christmas spirit, not because of what Christmas really represents. I'm thankful for what it represents. I celebrate for what Christmas really is but I don't much like the way that we have commercialized it. And so, <laughs> if that's an excuse, I've been a Scrooge. But I, I have found myself the last few years, and as my children were born, and, and as they grow, uh, and we are able to enjoy Christmas that much more, I have found myself being in the Christmas spirit uh, more often and this year, uh, is much a, a continuation of the same. It, it never really gets old. Every, every year we know Christmas is coming by the changing of the leaves and the cooling of the temperatures. And by the time November rolls around, you begin to see the decor going up in stores. I was in uh, Lowe's Home Improvement uh, back in October, and I had to stop an associate. And I said, ma'am, don't you believe that we're rushing it just a tad? as she began to construct the Christmas trees in, in her department. But as November rolls around and we see the change in the decor in stores, you, you are seeing the beginning of a season that you and I are very familiar with. And somehow the excitement only increases as we move past the Thanksgiving season. And people are constantly debating about when you should start decorating for Christmas. I have my opinions and you probably have yours, and we debate how soon is too soon to put up a tree. When I was growing up, our tree and our lights didn't go up until after Thanksgiving. And now there are people who leave their lights up all year long. And I, I'm not sure if they're just too lazy to take them down or if they really think that they're getting a jump on next year. I'm, I'm not really sure. But I do know that the excitement of the season grows as you see the wonder in a child's eyes or you witness the thankfulness of an adult child's gestures during the Christmas time. You see lights as they begin to dance on rooftops. You see festive decorations in yards and you see the decorations on the porches as they are on display for everyone to see. You see the familiar colors of a white or a green tree as it's seen through a living room window uh, and will we'll repeatedly capture our attention day in and day out all the way through the month of December. Yes, it is that time of year. But let me pause and say that I never ever want to forget what the true meaning of this season really is. We say it, and it even becomes cliche that 
He is the reason for this season. And we say that He is the one that we celebrate this holiday. We say it, we say it often, and we say it over and over again. But let me tell you that we should never forget the real reason for this season. We should not forget a babe that was born in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And he came as the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me. He paid the price that we could not pay. He put on the robely flesh from a kingly robe in, in heaven to a, a, a robely kind of flesh here on earth. All so that you and I might have a chance at eternal life. Nothing about this season intrigues me more. The import, then the importance of the incarnation, then does the fact that he, Jesus, came and enrobed himself in flesh, and he, the Bible says, dwelt among us. Don't mistake me today. I love the light. I love the trees. I love getting together with family and friends on Christmas Day. But nothing intrigues me more than does the incarnation of Christ. In John 1 and 1, where the Scripture tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everybody say the Word. If you do just a simple brief study, you will find that Word in this text comes from the Greek word logos. There are numerous commentators that give us insight to what is being said in this text. But what I want to focus on and draw from is Strong's definition of this text. Strong's tells us that Logos is something that is not only said, but it is something that includes the thought. By implication, a topic or a subject of discourse, also reasoning the mental faculty or motive. So when you read that in the beginning was the Word, you have to read it with not just something spoken, but with something also verbalized, but you read it, in the beginning was the thought. In the beginning was the reasoning. In the beginning was the mental faculty of God. Or in the beginning was the very motive of God. In the beginning was the reason. And in the beginning was the thought of God. And by extension here in this book of John that we have read from this morning, it is highlighted that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The reasoning or the thought was with God, and it was God. And then we go on to read in verse number 14. It goes on to say, and the Word was made flesh, or the reasoning, or the thought. And the, or the plan of God, as Strong's definition would say. It says that the divine expression of God is that the Word was made flesh. What we call the incarnation, God taking on a fleshly body, the thought of God or the reason of God or the very motive of God becomes a baby in Bethlehem's manger. It is. Amazing to me 
that he dwelt among us. It is amazing to me that the thought of God was no longer confined to a mind frame, if you will. But now it is the expression in flesh that that baby came and dwelt among us and we beheld. How do you behold a thought? How do you behold reasoning? It is beyond us until it is expressed in some way. Let me tell you this morning that when it is expressed, you can see the reasoning and the thought and behold it all. We beheld the reasoning of God. We beheld the thought of God. We beheld the expression of Almighty God. When we read in Scripture and we talk about it this season, we talk about a baby that was born in a lonely manger. We talk about that, that God came from heaven. He came from heaven's throne, and he came to earth to dwell among us. And we think about it as just being a great miracle, and it was. And we make it about a baby, and in a way, it was. But let me tell you, in this Christmas season, it was much more than a baby being born in a manger, but it was God Almighty who left heaven and enrobed himself in flesh, and he dwelt among us. It was God's reason for the season. It was God's motive for the season. It was God's thought for you and for me. The Bible says the glory as of the only begotten of God. You see, it was the offspring of God. That baby was the very product of God. And the Bible goes on to say that was full of grace and full of truth. After having heard years of preaching along these lines, after countless sermons surrounding this subject, I again find myself interested in the fact that the God of glory that John tells us about in the fourth chapter of his gospel God, who is spirit, now through his reasoning and his thought, is now divinely expressed in a human form or a human tabernacle. It is amazing to me why God would do such a thing. Maybe that is why the writer wrote when he penned the words to this song, down from his glory, ever-living story, my God, my Savior came, and Jesus was his name. Born in a manger to his own, a stranger, a man of sorrow, tears, and agony. And then the writer goes on to say, but oh, how I love him and how I adore him. I'm here to tell you today that God came from heaven and he came to earth and he experienced all kinds of hurt and all kinds of rejection, all kinds of pain. He would eventually go to a cross and give his life and shed his blood for you and I. So why would we not celebrate him in this season? Why would we not take a few moments this morning and lift our hands, clap our hands, lift our voice, and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the gift that you gave to us. It never gets old to me. 
it never ceases to amaze me that he would come down from his glory and robe himself in flesh and become a man acquainted with sorrow and with grief. A God that only knew glory and he only knew triumph and he only knew victory. Now he subjects himself to the torments, to the temptations, to the trials of a human existence. That simply amazes me. But without the enthusiasm and inspiration of Jesus' birth and the fact that he left heaven's throne for earth's cross, this season would be like any other season. It would be just another meaningless event on a calendar. But there is something special about the reason for this season. There is something special about the birth of Jesus Christ because he did it all for you and for me. He lived to die for you and for me. He came to take on the sins of the world for you and for me. If you're thankful, why don't you clap your hands to the Lord? moments this morning to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, where Isaiah wrote in prophetic anticipation well before the the Christ child would ever be born when he said, for unto us a child is born. He said, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Then he goes on to say, of the increase of his government, peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Not that it is a possibility that it would happen, not that it would, it might happen, but the Bible declares it will be performed. Or the Bible declares it will be settled. One of the building blocks of our Christianity is simply found in this verse when it says that unto us a son is given. Everybody say given. If we ever lose sight, of that fact, then we will lose sight of everything that we claim to be as Christians. Too often we labor to be on the receiving end of everything. We want to be on the receiving of everything that God has to offer, or we want to be on the receiving end of everything that life has to offer. But let me tell you this morning that the true blessing that comes into our life comes to us by the things found on the other side, and that is on the side of giving. True blessings come to the person who is the giver, not the one who is the receiver. That's why, as the older I get, when I sit around the Christmas tree and my children are there, I, I, I don't care if I unwrap a gift. I really don't, but I enjoy giving gifts. That is part of my personality. I enjoy 
giving to others. I enjoy uh, going out and, and, and doing a little shopping and, and wrapping a gift and giving it to my wife or one of my boys or another member of my family. That is what I like to do because I have truly found out in my life it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's why the gospel that Jesus preached was so different from what the world was used to in that day because he came as a giver. He came as a servant. He came to this world not to be ministered to, but to minister to all. He came to pour out and not to receive. He came to to build up and not to be built up. Many of us here find ourselves at an age where we do enjoy seeing our loved ones thrilled and the exci- and excited by the gifts that happen to be under the tree. If, and if you're not at that place that I've already talked about, then hold on, you soon, soon will be. When, when it's more about others than self. That's what Jesus is teaching us. That's what he was teaching us when, when he came to this earth, that it's, it, it, it's not so much about me. It's not so much about what I can give or what I can receive, but what I can give to others. Hear me today when I tell you, if you've been get, given the greatest gift that I believe that anyone could ever give, and that is a re- revelation of the mighty God in Christ, that is receiving the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I mean, tell you right now that the greatest gift that you could ever give to this world is to share that same experience that God gave to you to tell others in this Christmas season that God can touch your life, that God can change your situation, that God can turn your circumstance around. It was Isaiah said it this way, a son or a child is given. This is the very act of God. And it was to give and it was to help. Could there have been a greater gift ever given? Could there have ever been a greater sacrifice It was heaven's plan to provide fallen humanity with a gift that could never be rivaled. It was God, it was heaven's plan to provide fallen humanity with a gift that would never, that or that would be the answer to all of humanity's ills. And that would be, and that was in the form of giving himself. Here is my answer, he said. Here is your, here is my answer to your situation. Here is what I have to offer to you in the middle of your circumstance. He could have chosen and done anything else that he wanted to. He could have bypassed it altogether, yet he chose to wrap himself in flesh and he chose to take on humanity and to give himself to you and to me. God knew. God knew and he understood that the only possible solution to humanity's sin problem was to give, was to become. He knew and he understood that man's hope would only come through 
his giving of himself. How can I fix the situation? How can I, can I get through the mess that I am in? When we come with all types of solutions on our own, and they usually get us in deeper trouble. You ever, you ever done that? You've ever tried to fig, fix life's problems on your own only to find out that I can't do it? Am I the only one in this place? You ever try, you ever try to, to become the solution for what is ailing you or for what is, is fighting you? We get in all kinds of trouble on our own. But when God observed the landscape of humanity, He saw the condition that we were in and He said that the only way to change it is that I have to give something. He said I have to be willing to, be go, to go beyond what others may be willing to do. And so God help us to understand this concept. If we are going to ever understand the God that we worship, we're going to have to understand Him in this concept and see Him as the giver He really was. He is a generous giver. He is not one who is out to take from you. He is not one that is out to push you away. None. Not, he's not one that is out to cut you off and to do away with you. But God is a God who wants to, He wants to touch you. He wants to help you. He wants to pull you in. He wants to help you through your struggle. He wants to help you and give you eternal Giving has always been the way to turn oppressing and unfortunate situations around. But the truth of the matter is some people never understand that. John further stresses this through his word found in chapter 3 of his gospel when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have ever lasting life. For God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. We need to quit looking at God like someone who is always trying to catch you in some compromising position and He's always looking out to push you away because that's not God's plan at all. That's not God's thought at all. That's not God's desire. He didn't come to condemn this world, the Bible says, but that the world through him might be saved. I'm here to tell somebody this morning, he came with a solution for you. He came with an answer for you. He came with open arms. He came to make a difference in your life. Had he not come, we would not be here today. Let us not forget that the incarnation, or what the incarnation was really about, and it was really about God giving to us. You see, the Bible is replete with examples of people who gave when they were down to the very last thing or whatever it might be that it was that they had to give. And we read over and over again in Scripture that as a result of their giving, they saw 
an increase come into their lives. The Bible tells us that they were blessed. And the Bible says that it does tell us and teach us that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So I tell you today that we, we the desire, the overwhelming desire of, every, of just about everybody in this place is to be more Christ-like. But let me tell you that to be Christ-like, you must be a giver. He gave through three and a half years of his ministry. He came to earth, and the Bible says that he had to grow in wisdom and in stature. And we, we read about him here and there. But it wasn't until 33 or, or 30, 30 years old that the Lord started his ministry here on earth, on earth. And it only lasted for three and a half years. But it's in those three and a half years. That God gave through his ministry. You will see that he was all about giving. He was about giving healing. He was about giving encouragement. He was all about giving his favor. He was all about giving his blessing. And ultimately, he was about giving every last drop. Giving to the broken. Giving to the down and out. Giving to the confused. Giving to the overwhelmed. Does that sound familiar to anybody in this place? Because everybody in this place could put yourself at one time in your life or another in one of those categories. Maybe it was that you were confused. Maybe it was that you were overwhelmed. Maybe it was because you were broken. But God stepped in on the scene one day and he said, I came for you. I came to mend your broken heart. I came to give you peace. Come on, somebody. I came to give you direction. You don't have to live a confused life anymore. And I say to the one that is in this house today, maybe you're broken. Maybe you're confused. Maybe you need direction. And I'm here to introduce you to a God that will be everything that you need because he is the greatest gift ever given. I'm glad. I'm glad that he came. I'm glad that he came to lay down his life for my sins. I'm thankful that he came to change the circumstances in the situations of my life. Because here today, you may be, you may be in those situations. You may, be, you may be down and out. You may be confused. You may be broken. And you come into this place, and sometimes it's a little overwhelming because you see people in suits, and you see ties tied just right. You see women with their hair fixed just right. And, they, and, they, and we all sometimes look like it, it, we've got it all going on. I've, I've preached about this before. We look like it's all, we've got it all going on and everything's perfect in our life. But the under, what you've got to understand is that such were some of us. I can 
point you to individuals in this place that I know your story. I know where you came from. I know what God delivered you from. I know where you were where God, when God found you. I knew the mess that you are in when God picked you up out of that pit that you are in. And he, and, he, and he gave to you and he turned your life around. And so easily we forget where we came from. But I want to preach to somebody today that you may be feeling like that you don't have the answers. You may be feeling like in this Christmas season that I'm just too broken. I'm just, I'm just too confused to go on any further. But I want to tell you about a God. I want to tell you about a baby who was born in a manger and he was born for you. He was born for that situation that you're going through. He was born for that place of brokenness. raised the dead like he did, and he would have healed the sick like he did. It would been great if he could have done all that, but avoided Calvary's cross. But the truth of the matter is, it's all of that void of Calvary would have meant nothing to you and to me. I thank God for his sacrifice. Isaiah said that this act of heaven, this gift that's coming from heaven, had life-changing elements attached to it. In fact, it would, he said, establish an everlasting authority and it would establish it would establish an everlasting peace in our lives. He said out of his government. Did you notice it when we read it? Did you notice when we read that text? He, it wasn't just about the giving of a child, but it was about God's reign and rule and government and peace that could be established in every life. It wasn't just about the Christ child alone. It wasn't just about a baby. But it was about his peace and his rule and his government being established in your in my life. The aim of the giving of God was for peace in your life. The aim of God's gift to all humanity was for God to mend your broken heart. The aim of the gift that God gave to us was so that you could experience eternal life. The aim of the gift that God gave to us was so that one day we could share that same gift with somebody else. That was God's aim. God looked at fallen humanity and he knew there was no hope. He knew that with our, within ourselves that we could do nothing. So God said, I've got to go. 
I, I've got to go. I've got to, I've got to leave this place. I've got to leave my throne. And I've got to go down. And I've got to become a sacrifice for my most prized creation. I've got to, I've got to give myself. I've got to shed my blood so that they might have hope. In this Christmas season, I want to tell you today that God came. That God came as the ultimate sacrifice. That God came to give everything for you and for me. Why? Not that he could just get all the accolades, but that he could give us hope for eternal life so that he could cleanse us. desperately need are God's authority. We need God's authority in our world. And we need peace. The world needs peace like we've never needed it before. But in order for our world to experience this on a global scene, we must first experience it individually. There must must be peace that reigns in our lives. There must be peace for those who are living in darkness. And there must be peace for those that are under the deception of sin. We are built on the word that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And that expressed thought of God, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In closing today, I want to tell you that God is looking for people that He can just not that, he's not looking for people that he can just establish peace in your life. But he's looking for people, he's also looking for people that he can establish direction in your life. He is looking for people that he can bring salvation into your life. Here is what, what happens. When this authority of heaven is established in our lives through his word, And when the peace of God reigns in our life, all of a sudden, and here's where we get to our, my title today. I want to bring it all around today. When we get all these things established in our life, it is then that we become attractive to the world around us. You see, the attraction of his birth is this. If you allow heaven's aim and you allow heaven's intent and you allow heaven's purpose for you to happen, then you will be attractive to the world around you. What do you mean by that, Pastor Danny? What I mean by that is when you allow those things in your life, when you allow God to come in and change those things in your life, Maybe maybe your friends and your coworkers used to know you as one 
who was always broken. Maybe your family, those closest to you, used to know you as the one that tried as you might, whether it was in a bottle, whether it was type of substance that you took, you could never find peace in your life. But when you allow God to come in, and you allow God to give peace, and when you allow God to hurt brokenness, those around you begin to see the change in your life. And they see that one that used to have no peace. And suddenly, you're full of peace. They used to see that one who was so broken. But now, they see you being put back together because God came and put you back together. They begin to see these attributes. They begin to see these things that only God can do. And so those that are around you that deal with the same brokenness that you dealt with, that deal, that deal with peacelessness, that deal with no sense of direction, look at you and that they begin to long for what you have. They long for the peace in your life. They long for the direction that you have. People begin to recognize and people begin to see the attraction to his birth because it was his birth that brought about all these things in your life. A baby's born and my life is changed and I walk in peace in the midst of chaos that is all around me. That is the world that we're living in. People don't know where to turn. People don't know where to go. People don't know how to make it. People don't know how to react. They, 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 they don't understand that there could ever be light in such a dark world. So I tell you this morning that in this Christmas season, don't let it just be about a manger. Don't let it just be about wise men and a star. Don't let it just be about a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. But let it be about the one that left his glory. Let it be about the one that left everything. He left his majesty. He left his glory. He left his throne to come and to dwell among us. So you ask, how can I make it through these storms and still hold on? I tell you how you can do it because there is a Lord in your life. You can do it because God reigns on the throne of your heart because He has given you peace and the world can never take it away. Stand with me right now. Why? Because he has given me hope in the middle of hopelessness. Someone in this place this morning, 
needs to decide once and for all, make a decision this Christmas season that I'm going to walk in the peace and the authority that God has so graciously given to me. Is there anybody in this house that is thankful for his birth? Is there anybody that you're thankful that there was a cry one day in Bethlehem's manger? So today I speak to the one. I speak to the one that you're here and you found your, you find yourself in hopelessness. I speak to the one that you cry yourself to sleep at night because you don't have any peace in your life. I speak to the one that's wandering around aimlessly looking for help and direction in all the wrong places. I speak to the one that is here today and you're broken. Maybe it's past hurts. Maybe it's a relationship. Whatever it is, but you're broken and you don't know where to turn. I speak to you this morning and I tell you that there is a God in this house this morning that wants to, to heal your brokenness. There is a God in this house this morning that wants to give you direction and there is a God in this house this morning that wants to give you peace that passes all understanding. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord in the fullness of His truth. You don't know Him in the power of His re resurrection. You haven't given your life to Him and you haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. I tell you, today is a good day. Today is a good day to receive a gift from the Lord. It's a good day to receive the gift of eternal life and it is a good day to have your sins washed away. I speak to you this morning. I open these altars. If I've spoke to you and you're thankful, maybe you're just thankful this Christmas season that God came and maybe you're just here to celebrate or maybe you're here because you're looking for something. It doesn't matter. These altars are open right now and I ask you to come. If you want to spend some time just giving God thanks, then give Him thanks. If you want to spend some time seeking direction, get, seek direction here at the altar. If you want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, then come receive the greatest gift that God could ever give to you. this morning. God is here. God is here. That's the attraction.